Let's give the Lord a great big hand. Praise God for his goodness. You have already said Happy New Year to everyone. I hope if you have not, just wave at somebody and say Happy New Year. If you have not done that, amen. Thank God for his goodness and his mercy. Hey, you still here? Look at somebody and say, I'm still here. Yeah, you have to be so grateful. You have to be so grateful to the Lord that you are still here. Have your senses still. Amen. In your right mind. Amen. Amen. You just got to be grateful to the Lord that the portion of strength that you have, you have to be grateful. Amen. Now, this message today is the first message of the year. Amen. Amen. So this, this message is what you probably would have gotten New Year's night you was asking for. But I don't think he was ready for this New Year's night. But I believe you're ready right now. Amen. Amen. So let's get our Bible and let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And we're going to look at the first nine verses. And then we're going to go to work here. Amen. Thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 4 through 11. We are under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, so we want to make sure that's evidence. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Once you realize that you're under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, hope the day's message will really capitalize on that. Amen. What we've been trying to get done here. So many people don't realize we're not just going to church. We're trying to accomplish something. Amen. Yes. amen. amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, when you get there, say amen. All right, we want to read verses number 1 through verse 9. Do we begin to commend ourselves, or need we or, or some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of a living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God. What? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, and not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not satisfy to behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit, say that with me, the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Verse 9 said, But if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more. Of the ministration of righteousness. So we know if it's the ministration of the Spirit, it's the ministration of righteousness. All right, that's what it just got through saying to you. You may be seated. Now we're going to turn to our subject today, and that's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. 
from the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, and verse number 30. We're going to be teaching from that, but we want to give you that one verse, because that's going to be our teaching for today. Ephesians, chapter number 4. Today, we're going to be having a course. We're going to do a course in just a book of Ephesians. But we want to show you why did God give us the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, verse 30, just one verse. I just want you to look at it a little while. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. You'll know why Pastor Crump probably always fuss, you say. But it's not Pastor Crump fussing. It's something that I don't want you to do. When you always hear me say things in the church, it's something that we don't want you to do, and that's what it is right here. From the book Ephesians, chapter number four, just one verse. It said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. That's going to be our message for the day. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to show you in the Word of God what happens to people when they grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you we have Israel, and I'm going to show you in Israel life what happened to them when they grieved the Holy Spirit. So when, when you bring order in a church, when you bring order anywhere, order is to make sure people don't grieve the Holy Spirit, really. So we're going to pray. We're going to get right into God's word. I've got a lot of words for you. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your grace now, your mercy, your love. Thank you for your righteousness, your peace, your joy. Father, we give you all the praise and the glory. Now we ask you to teach us your new covenant. And Lord, teach us so we will not grieve you, Holy Spirit. We bless you, we praise you, we appreciate you. Thank you now for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your great grace in Jesus' name. Thank you for divine protection in this place. Thank you, Father, for divine grace, divine mercy, divine provisions. In Jesus' holy name, we give you praise and glory in all the church today. Amen. All right, thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, I wanted to minister this last week, and then I thought I had another message, which I was ready to minister on this morning, and then the Spirit of God would not get away from this message right here, so I know it's time. It's called, Grieve Not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let's lay a little groundwork here so you would understand what I mean, or what the Holy Spirit means. Now, all of the writings of the Apostle Paul, and even, I see, even Peter, is going to show us what God really wanted in the New Covenant. Now, I want you to understand that the New Covenant, the book of Ephesians, is divided into two sections. You have verse chapter 1, 2, 3. For those who are taking notes in the back, I'm going to be saying a lot of stuff. You're going to have to write a lot of, type a lot of stuff today. All right, so Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 is what God has done for the church. Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 is what God has done for the church. Chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6 
is how God wants us to live in response to what he has done in chapter 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to say that again. Chapter 1, 2, 3, Ephesians, is telling us everything God has done for the church. Chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, is how we respond with our lifestyle and how we live to what God has done for us in the first three chapters. So when God got to chapter 4, he started talking about how he wants you to live. Chapter 1, 2, 3, he gave us everything up front. He did everything for you up front. And I want you to think about this teaching as parent and children. Parents like this. Parents give you everything that they have to help you. But they also want chapter 4, 5, 6 is so you will live right. So when, when you hear parents fuss or argue, you may hear pastors sometimes fuss and argue, that's what you're looking at. It's like I look at what God has done for Noah's faith and how we respond. I look at it in my, in my household, in my family, what God do for us. And then I look at how we respond to that. I gave you a verse of scripture last week. Let's go to it today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, 15, 16. So our whole thing is God had, God gave us everything up front. And then all he asked us to do is to live holy. Represent him in the kingdom of God. What we got here is God's will and God's way and our will and our way. And when it comes down to the Bible, we still want to do things our way. That's when you grieve the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand something. You may hear it come out of the pastor, but it's really to come out of the Holy Spirit. You may hear it come out of your father, your mother, but it's really come out of the Holy Spirit. When a child rebelled and disobeyed their mother and their father, and they, they, the parent and the father began to say things to the children, you, you, you know, God too good to you to do that. You know, we are too good to you to, to disobey us like that. You're hearing the frustration of the Holy Spirit. And so I hope you understand this message today as you live your life in the new year. When you do things that God, every time you make a decision, it ought to be based on how good God has been. Amen. You know, uh, I, I talked to, I, I talked to uh, your husband this morning a little bit, and I see you have not, you've been a little stingy with your testimony. You have a lot to share, and you can't hold that. One day you're going to have to just take your time and share that because people need to know uh, your testimony, especially when their life's changing. All right, now, so we're going to go back to Ephesians. We're going to begin to show you. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians first. That's what I asked for first. I said chapter 5, verse 14. Now, watch how God expects us to live. 
All the way through God's writings, Paul's writing, and I'm going to show you even Peter's writing, everything was based on this. God blesses you up front, and then he sees how you're going to live. God bless Israel up front, and then he wants to see how they're going to live. See, that's how God operates in the word of God. And then when we, when we do just the opposite, that's when God began to say, they're just not going to do right. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, that was already past him. He's already died for you. Then we all dead. Then he said the next verse, and that he died for all because he died for all, they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but live unto him which died for them and rose again. So Christ has already come 2,000 years ago, already died for our sins, was buried and God raised him from the dead, did everything for us so we can have an eternal life, and then all he asks us to do is, once we get the eternal life, live for him. That's all he asks. And so what, what grieves the Holy Spirit is, we now are called by God's name, now we're God's children, and we still act like the world. We still disobey, we still rebel, we still act like the world is nobody in the world but us. That's how we were who wouldn't save. We come into church on Sunday mornings and the people say, would you sit here please? No, I'm going to sit over there. See, you don't understand, you're in the church now, you're in the body of Christ now. You're not your own anymore. You've been bought with the price of God's son, his own blood. And all he asks you to do is do what he asks you to do. I know we like, we still got our own mind, we got our own way, we want to do. So you got to see this thing just like a father and a mother who has children. You have to see it the same way, just like Pastor Sister Crump as pastor of the church, and we have children. That's all it is. And so what we do in the church is we try to do the same way we do in our own household. When the mother said to you, oh, it's okay to go out, but please be home by 11 o'clock. We don't say it that way. We say, okay, church start at 9. If you're a leader, if you're a leader be here at 830. And then if you, especially if you're leading the church, now if you're a choir, choir be here at 8 o'clock a lot of times. Ursus pulls up in the yard at 8 o'clock. So, well, we didn't do that. We said, if all leaders be at church at 8.30, please. See, because if you're going to be the leader of the church, then what happens to the rest of the people when they see you coming in last? Something wrong with that picture. So what we, have to, what we try to do in the church is making sure everybody's being taught. It's no different. Now, Monday morning, you got that. Some of you. Because, first of all, your, your boss, now, I know I did at General Motors. General Motors said, we're going to start next week, Crump. We're going to be here at 4 o'clock. 3.30, I was at my, sitting there drinking coffee, waiting on my shift to start, 4 o'clock in the morning. Wasn't no certain thing. I'm a skilled trade. When they blow that whistle, bump, bump, bump. Ain't no such thing as Earl ain't here yet. If it was, my boss is coming looking for me. See, that's how I was because they invested a lot of money in me. That's how it is with God. God took all of this he's going to show you, he's going to invest in you. And all he asks you to do is live the life now the way he wants you to do it. 
no, no more what you want to do no more. Just do what I ask you to do. Now, I'm going to go through all of that in this the 9 and 11 o'clock service. Can you get a Lord a big hand? All right. Now, first of all, I want you to write down the word grieve. The word grieve, I'm going to give you about seven, maybe nine words. I hope you type these in the back and put them on the screen. Number one, grieve. To bring sorrow to. Now, remember, this is to the Holy Spirit. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, you bring sorrow to. So you want to look at this just like a mother and a father. Here's the mother. She did everything she could to take care of her children. And then she keeps getting a report from school that her child is rebelling in the school system. Her teacher got to keep calling week after week after week. Can't do nothing with this child. Can't do nothing. That's grieve the, that's grieve the spirit. You see it through the mother, but it's really grieve the Holy Ghost. Because this person has given you, some of you, been adopted. And yet you'll rebel against God's system. Nobody wanted you. You would have been in a system where they would have people you never knew. But somebody say, you know what, I'm not going to let that happen to this child. I'm going to keep that child in my home and raise that child as my own. This is what God did for us. He adopted me. I didn't even have a right. I didn't even have a right. But God adopted me, gave me a place to stay, gave me a People to, to count as my own, made sure I got an address, I got clean clothes, I got somebody was taking care of me. And all he asked me to do is live like you my son. Don't live like you don't have no dad and no mama. Live like you my son. I take care of you. Don't act like the heathens. She don't act like heathens. So y'all just pray for the pastor this morning. First, to bring sorrow to. Number two, to offend. That's what you do to the Holy Spirit. You offend him. Number three, hope we can put all these on the screen when we finish. Number three, to displease him. Number four, to cause mourning. Isn't there someone I call the Spirit of God to mourn and to weep? Can't, can't you imagine the Holy Spirit is weeping? It's like God saying, what, what more could I have done? Isn't that what they said about Israel? What more could I have done? See, this is what happened. You watch God when you have kings in, in the Bible, and, they, and he gives them everything they wanted like he did Samson, like he did Solomon. And yet Solomon went out and did what he did. See, you got to look at it as a pimp to understand God, his weeping, and as a father. Number, number five, to inflict pain on. Just, just think about this. Inflict pain on God? Man, it's an awesome thing to be wounded. Number seven, right? Number six, to oppress. I can oppress God, yeah, with the way I live.
to burden. How many did I give you so far? Seven. Seven. I'm going to give you one more. To make sad by the way you live your life. Isn't that something to make God sad, mourn, weep by the way I live my life? See, you can do the same way to your parents. They invest all this money in you to go to get yourself an education. So you don't have to be like they were when they was growing up. So they'll, they'll, they'll work their hands to the bone, work two jobs, so you can have a good education. And you know what happens when you go to college? You goof off. Got a free scholarship. People want to invest in you, and yet you won't go to class. You want to be like the other children. See, that's what grieved the heart of God. God don't want you like the other children. That's why he saved you. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, you got the point now, don't you? So when, so when we don't live for God, we do what? We, grow the, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When we don't obey authority. See, all these things, when you don't obey authority, whether in the church, whether in the house, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. You're trying to change his order. He has an order, and you don't want to go by it. He's trying to get you to adjust to what he wants to do, and still he's running up against what you want to do. That's what the whole problem is. That's why we have prisons and jailhouses because people have not learned that they're not going to be able to do what they want to do. So God gave you a chance with the pastor, the school teacher, and then he'll get the police involved. And they, later on, you're not, in, not in just in jail. If that's not good enough, then they got a prison. That is not where God wants his child. And you know what they call them? Anybody know what they call a, a jailhouse and a prison? Some of y'all may have not seen the new name. It's called correctional facility. Now, why would they name it correctional facility? Somebody's trying to get something over to you, isn't it? Otherwise, God is going to correct you. See, it's no authority but of God. You got to understand that. When you disobey authority, you disobey in God. Whether it came from your pastor, whether it came from your, your mother and daddy, whether it come from the teaching in the church, whatever it come from the police office, it doesn't make any difference. You owe disobeying God. And you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go into this, and we're going to begin to see, because I, I got a lot I got to share to you. First of all, I'm going to be teaching on the first few chapters of Ephesians. Uh, but Ephesians, what Ephesians does, let's just read the first chapter in a way. Let me get that one out of the way. We're going to do it out of the NLT. Ephesians chapter 1, the whole chapter, we're going to read that out of the NLT. Now, we're going to do all these three chapters in the day or, the, or tomorrow. If not, then next Sunday when I walk in here, you know what you got. Because <laughs> we're going to do three chapters in the book of Ephesians, 
And then we're going to show you in the other chapters. You, you know what? Before I read that, let's go back to Genesis. Let me, let me, let me, let me go to Genesis chapter 6. And let's look at verse 5 through 8. Now you can leave it on what you have. You got NLT, Good News, uh, King James, whichever one you're on when I get the stuff. You don't have to go change it. Just, let's just read it. Galatians, I mean, it said Genesis chapter 6. Now watch what happened to man in the beginning. And watch what God's going to say. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything that, everything they thought or imagined were consistently and totally evil. When God saw that, now God looked at his creation. See, when you get to Ephesians chapter 4, you are already a new creature in Christ. God already told you in chapter 1, 2, 3, he's already created you a new creature in Christ. Chapter 2, you've been saved. By grace you're saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the, all that's there. Chapter 4, where are you? Why are you, why are you living like that? So the Lord was sorry. That that word is. The Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. It grieved his spirit. And the Lord says, I will wipe the human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yeah, and I will destroy every living thing and all the people. The larger animals, small animals, he started naming them all. I'm going to destroy them all. They scurry along the ground and every bird of the sky. And I'm I'm sorry I ever made them. That's God, man, the Father. After he had made man, but the Bible said, but Noah found grace, found favor with the Lord. Now you're saying you found favor with God. Why are you still living like you're not saved? That's what God looks at. Now, let's go to Let's go to Ephesians 1 now, NLT. In Ephesians chapter 1, NLT, we're going to just take our time and look at this because I want to just go through it, just show you what God gave you. Now, this is what God looking at. He's looking at chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Once he gets to chapter 4, he's going to start off with walk worthy of the vocation where you've been called. In chapter 1, 2, and 3, he called you. Now, just think about it. Now, here you was in darkness, on your way to hell, minding your own business, and God called you out of that darkness into his light. God called you out of sin, called you out of death, saved you from hell, gave you eternal life. And all he actually do is live under his authority. But you know what we, you know we want to do? It's what we want to do. We want to come when we get ready. We want to go when we get ready. And then we get mad with our children when they want to come, when they get ready, and go when they get ready. And that's the same way we act. You're not going to disobey God and expect your children to obey you. See, people just think, no, I told my children to be in at 12. God told you to be here at 9. He told you to be here at 830. See, you want to disobey God, but you want to turn and tell your children, you need to be home at 11 o'clock. But the Lord told you to be here at 8.30. You, when is the last time you've ever been to church at 8.30 in the morning? 
They're leading the church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Still going to do what I'm going to do. And expect God to honor what you want to do. Do anybody hear what I'm saying? See, it's nowhere in the world that I'm going to live the life I want to live and expect you to obey God. It's not going to work. That's why I keep telling you, you will never beat me to church. If, if I'm in town, and most likely I am, and you come to this church, I'm most likely I'm here. I don't do that for you. I'm doing that because I have a God that I expect to do me like that. Listen, when I call him, I know he's going to hear me, he's going to answer me, and he's going to be there for me. I know that. Why? Because that's how I live my life. You're expecting that from God. Why don't you do that to God? We want to come, we get ready, go, we get ready, do what we want to do. People tell us to do this. Oh, I don't want to do it. I want to do it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, go ahead on. Got my Ursha. Scared the Ursha. I'm serious. I go there and talk to these. These are men. These are men, my men. I go and I say, brother, he said, brother, you don't know. You just don't know them. <laughs> I said, brother, what? Brother, you just don't know them. I said, man, these people are saved. I know they're saved, but you, just, you don't know. You go ask them. <laughs> we the church. If I could cry, I would cry right now. We the church. This is the church. We're not a nightclub. I can understand if I went to a nightclub if I said something to somebody, but we the church. We come here because we love Jesus. We come here because we're in love with the Lord and because of what he's done for us. So we don't want to walk in disobedience. It's not right for us to come in here and we say we love God and walk right out of here and, do, and live a life just like a man is not, a woman not saved. You're grieving the Holy Spirit, sir. You're grieving the Holy Spirit, man. See, once God comes inside of you, he demands holiness. Let, let me take you, for, before I go there again, <laughs> let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's look at the first three verses. First four verses, I think. That's 2 Peter. 2 Peter talked the same talk to the people he passed. Yeah, the first four verses. You can do that at King James, whatever you got. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. So he's talking to people who say, that's what he means. This faith was given to you because, because, I'm ready for you to turn, of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. So God gave you the same precious faith. Now you ask the question. He said, may God give you more and more. Let me say it again. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you're supposed to be. Once you start off, you're going to keep growing, growing and growing. He said, but it's going to happen because of his divine power. God hath 
past tense. Given us everything we need for living a godly life. Look at, look at somebody and say, God has given you. Say, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. See, see, that's what God did first in the first book of Peter. So Paul, Peter started the second chapter and said, look, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. We have received all of his, all of this by coming to know him. See, once you, they had gotten there by knowing him. We got ours through the, through the blood, his death, being and resurrection. The one who called us, watch what he said. The one who called us, I'm waiting, on the, I'm waiting on the next one when I do that. One who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So he's already done it. And in verse 4, it's a key verse. And because of his glory, because of his excellency, he has given us great and precious promises. All them verses talking about what God gave you. There are, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape. Escape the corruption, the world of corruption called by human desires. So everything that they're going to need, God has already given to them. It's the same way it is when I'm going into with Peter. Same way when I go into, let's go, let's, let's go into, a, yeah, I think you read it for Ephesians chapter 1, huh? I said it enough. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you sensing this in your spirit now? Yeah, and see, this is what happened. Man, when God showed me this. It began to change my life on how I thought about the Word of God. So as I began to look through the Word of God and saw different re- way that Peter, I mean Peter, James, and John, or either Paul, how they taught the Word, I began to see how God did things. God always blessed us up front. And then he asked us to live the life. That's how he did Israel. He gave Israel everything. And then ask him to live the life. I'm still not ready for that. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 63, 7 through 14. I, I am, but I just, I just can't get it out of here. Isaiah 63, verse 7. Let's go look at Isaiah. I just, Isaiah 63. See, we think God just blesses us and we just go on living in the way we want to live. But no, if God already blessed you, and he has, he expecting you to live for him now. He's already made you his son and daughter. He's already given you his inheritance. He's already given you his power. And now all he asks you to do is just, now you go live for me. You go be a light among people who's in darkness. Don't be like them. You represent me. That's all he's asking. When other folks would disobey, you obey. That's how it have to be. Now watch this. Verse 7 says, I will tell you of the Lord's unfailing love. Now, in my Bible, it said the Lord is good to Israel in this section. But he's talking about God's love to Israel. But I'm going to show you how they, how they treated God's love. I will tell you of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. Everything first, he's going to show you what God has done. 
I will rejoice in God's great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and his love. He's showing you everything God did for Israel. He says, they are my own very people. Surely they will not betray me again. No, not Israel. I'm, do you see how I bless my people? You think they're going to not live for me? Surely they will. They are my very own people. Surely they will not betray me. And he began and he became their savior. Savior. Now watch Israel. In all their suffering, he also suffered. He personally rescued them. Personally. In his love and his mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up, carried them through all the years. But, see, always got to be the but. See, out of all God do for you, you still won't change. See, until God lived inside of you, there won't be no change. Because he has to empower you to change. So when you're still rebelling against the Holy Spirit, you need to stop and say, wait a minute, do I really have the Holy Spirit? Because if I have the Holy Spirit, then why is he not leading me? Can you hold your finger right there? And I want to look at two verses, and that's Galatians 5, 16. Same, same translation you in now. Galatians 5, 16, Galatians 5, 25. Because first of all, if the Holy Spirit is here, why is he not leading me? Why am I still doing what I want to do just like, just like I did before I got saved? Something wrong. Because once the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, it's not going to be your will no more. Oh, no, it's going to be, no, no. No, you won't be around long. Once he comes inside of you, he's going to live his life through you or you're going to be taken out of here. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's better to not to have known him than to know him and don't live for him. This is not a game. The God that we serve is not to be played with. He's to be feared. And to be honored, for he's that holy. Somebody give him praise in this house. So watch what he says in Galatians 5, 16, and then in verse, in verse number 25, those two verses. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then... You won't be doing that what sinful nature craves for. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit leading in every part of our lives. Wait a minute, go back and do those two verses again. Because it's got, to, you know, you're saying you're led by the Spirit and then walk in disobedience. You, you can't, you, you, something wrong with that picture. Galatians 5, 16, so, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves for. 
See, so if, you, if your sinful nature is doing what it wants to do, you're not being led by the Spirit. There's nowhere in the world you're going to tell me you're led by the Spirit and you ain't never on time. Never. If you're led by the Spirit, he's going to get you where you got to get to and get you right there on time. You'll get mad with, Detroit, with, with Delta. If you riding Delta in any of these airlines and they was late, you'll be... Don't be sitting up in the airport and all of a sudden your time changed and you're on your phone and said, clean, we're going to be 15 minutes late. Bless God. <laughs> that's why I don't like all my money I spent for this. Now you're going to tell me you're late. See, that's what you got to understand. That's how you treat God. And don't let God, don't let God be late. Oh my God. Don't let him be late. That's what, see, that's what happened with the story with Martha Mary and Lazarus. See, they couldn't wait till he show up. Lord, see, I got, I, I'm all right, I'm all right, but I got to tell you something. See, like, I, I'm all right with you, but I got to tell you something. What, what is it? If you had been here. See, she had to get it off her chest. My brother had not died. And then she went on with her little stuff and said, but even now, you already told him off. <laughs> Don't you realize that the Lord made sure he wasn't there so he could die? Because God wanted them to know his plan and his purpose. How are you going to show you that I am the resurrection of life if he does not be late sometime? I mean, how can he show you what he want to do if there's never a situation. You know, I always you hear older people, you say, if there had not been a problem, how would I know God could solve them? So God would allow situations to come up in your life so he can show you that he can, what he can do. And don't compare him to Delta Airlines. All right, let's go to Psalm 63, Isaiah 63, right? Now, look at verse number 7. In, in verse number 7, I know we're going to go down to verse 10. Whatever you want, just on verse 10. I'm not going to read all of, all of it again. In verse 10, it said, but they rebelled. And they vexed. The, the word vexed means grieve. We'll see that vexed after a while in the King James. But they grieved the Holy Spirit. So he became their enemy and fought against them. It's an awesome thing, his own people, he fought against his own people because they were so wicked. That's, I'm not going to read any more of that. But I want to show you, that's, they, they, they vexed the Holy Spirit. Can you put the King James up there, the same thing? Verse 7 through 11, 7 through 10, King James. Isaiah 6 or 3, 7 through 10. See, it's nothing God will withhold from them that walk upright. That's what he said in Old Covenant. Nothing. But see, in the New Covenant, when I get to the New Covenant, I'm going to show you that the New Covenant said, Husband, love your wife. He didn't ask you, do you want to? <laughs> see, we want to rebel against God and, and do all our stupid stuff and treat our wives like they're slaves. 
And then he want to turn around and say, oh, lift my hand and say, how I love you, Jesus. If you do, express it with your wife. And then we see wives who would not submit at all, not one daughter to their husband. And they say how much they love God. You love God, submit yourself to your husband. Listen, submission is not just a one-way street. The Bible says submit yourself to one another in the fear of the Lord. So I got to submit myself to her. You submit yourself to who's right. If she's right, then I just yield myself, say you're right. When I'm right, she yield herself and said, I'm right. It had nothing to do with gender. I'm the man. See, I'm, the, I'm your husband. And the Bible said, you're supposed to submit my, you don't even submit yourself to God or nobody else. And you want your wife to submit yourself to what kind of person she would end up being submitting herself to you. I hope you heard what I said. If I do not obey God and live for God and my wife submit to me, I'm going to make her like me. God forbid if she become like me. My job is to make her like Christ. That's why the, 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 in that teaching Ephesians 5, the husband is a type of Christ himself. And the wife is a type of the church. So if the church is going to submit herself, then I ought to be like Christ. I don't want to be like Christ, but I want her to submit to me. That don't work. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, King James, oh, Isaiah 63, 7. Okay. I will make mention of the loving kindnesses of the Lord. And the praise, praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us. So I'm doing this because of all that the Lord has bestowed on us. And the great goodness towards, just go and do it, I'll catch you. The house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies. And according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he says, surely, this is what God says, surely they are my people. Hallelujah. Children that will not lie. Children, my people ain't not going to lie. When I get to Ephesians, I'm going to show you. One of the things he said, you, you my people, stop lying. Then it's an awesome thing that you were born again, believe in Christ, and you lie more than folk ain't say. How, how is God going to build this church? How is God going to do this if we people don't believe nothing we say? He says, surely they are my people, they are children that will not lie, so he was their savior. He was their savior. In all the afflictions, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. The angel that lived in his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He bowed them, carried them all the days of old. He carried them. See, that's why when they crossed the Red Sea, you know why their feet did not get it muddy? Oh, he carried them. Came across on dry land, mean he carried them. But they rebelled. That's what happened to Israel. They rebelled and they vexed his Holy Spirit. They grieved his spirit. Therefore, he was turned to their enemy, turned to be their enemy, and fought against his own people. 
Man, when I read that, it's just like I sit down and wept, just like they did in the Old, old Covenant. I sit down and by the, by the willows and I just wept to know that God fought against me. I live a life so horrible until the Almighty God fought against his own son. The Bible says, God be for us. Who can be against us? And Israel was so wicked until even their own God fought against them. Let's go to, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I think we're about ready now. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to show you in the first three chapters. Hopefully we can do chapter 1 today. And show you in chapter 1. That it was the almighty God who blessed you. Now, this is what's going to cause your life to change. When you realize that God blessed you before you were born. God gave you everything you needed before you were born. And now he wants you to come into the realization to realize that he's been there for you. Now I need you to do something for me. What is it, Lord? I need you to live for me. I need you to be holy. I need you to live for me. And I don't want you to grieve the Holy Spirit that I have put inside of you. I don't want him to, I don't want him to be like, get me out of this house. Hey, hello. I don't want to be here no more. You don't hear that at night, do you? Because what you do God sees, what you think, God hears, what you listen to, God listens to, and when he hears it coming out of his house, it grieves his spirit. Knowing that I have invested everything that I have in these people, and look how they live their lives. They're not giving God the glory, they're giving the devil. Who you living for is who you give the glory to. Let me say that again. Who you live for is who you give the glory for. I'm going to show you there's, there's a trinity. We are, say we are trinity. I want you to write something down. I want you to write three words down. Leave, leave some room. You can do it in the back too, hopefully, if you can keep up with me. I want you to put three words down. Spirit, Soul and body. Now, I'm going to use this, I think, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I think that's the verse I want. Three words. 1 Thessalonians, I think, 5.23. Let me make sure that's it. I'm just speaking. Mm-hmm. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse 23. I'm going to read that. I want you to put that up. And the very God of peace sanctify you. How? Holy. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know they were waiting on the Lord to come. But anyway, you see this thing about three things. It was says that he prayed that the whole, whole spirit, soul, body be preserved. So I want you to write down three words, spirit, soul, and body. Leave yourself a couple lines in the middle of each word. 
Each one has five members. Spirit has five members. Soul has five, five members. Body has five members. In your spirit, the five members is number one, faith, hope, and love. But you're going to add two more members to that. Faith, hope, and love. This is what you have in your spirit. Faith, hope, and love. Then you have two more words called prayer and worship. You want to put them in that area where they have the word spirit. Second, you got five things, right? All right, the second thing is soul. Five members of the soul. This is why the soul had to be saved. Because in the soul you have, number one, conscience. Number two, imaginations. That's why you hear casting down imagination. That's why you hear Paul telling you conscience. Conscience to serve the living God. Number one, conscience. Number two, imagination. Number three, memory. See, all that, when you're doing all that, that's in the soul. That's why the enemy try to come back with things and cause you to memorize things. All that's in the soul. Number four, reason. You're still in the soul realm. And number five is thoughts. See, all of that are, are the word, the mind. All of that is in the soul realm. That's the, that's the one that worship God. That's why you worship God with your conscience, with your mind, your soul, your reasoning. Then number three is the body. That's the outward man. There's also five members. We call them the five senses. The eye. The hand. The ear. The mouth. And the nose. All five senses. Number one, eye is for sight. Hand is for touch or for feeling. Ear is for hearing. Mouth is for taste. Nose is for smelling. Call the five senses. Everybody got that, right? Now, here it is, God has fearfully and wonderfully made you. You need to get into that and understand that's how things in the Bible, all of them, everything in the Bible is going to talk about one of these things sometime. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 now. We're finally going to get to Ephesians 1 and 1. I'm not looking at no more notes. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 1 is what? What God had done for you. See, when God had done for you, 
Now you have your spirit. You have God's spirit in you now. And watch what God has done for you and given you. And yet you will not live for God. You have to understand, if you have God's spirit, then you have the ability to live for God. If you don't have God's spirit, you don't have the ability to live for God. You can talk salvation. You can talk in there. <laughs> you, you can do everything you want to do, but you can't live right. You can't live right. You can't walk in love. You can hook up a shy, but you cannot walk in love. See, love, when you walk in love, you walk in love with people who don't deserve it. Anybody can walk in love for people who who, who in your in your five, in your mix. But what about going outside your mix sometime? You can't do it. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter one, verse one. You ready to go to work? Amen. Ephesians one and one said, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's people. Now the first 12 verses, you're gonna see a lot in there who's gonna talk about Israel, but he's gonna switch over to talk about the body. Gentiles of the body of Christ in verse 13. But he's talking to us and the Jews as what he's given to us. We don't get it until we're in Christ. So I'm writing to God's people. That time Israel was God and people. That is in Ephesus. Now you know you were not in Ephesus, so you know he's talking to the Jews at that time. He said, but who are faithful followers, faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, you know we have his grace already in his peace, right? All praise the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Now, he's going through everything that's happened to them, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, or in the heavenly realm, and heavenly world, because we are united with Christ. He's talking to you because you're in Christ. Even before he made the world... God loved us, and God chose us. Now remember, all of that's there. He loved us and chosen us. But you don't get that until you're in Christ. You understand that? You don't become chosen until you're in Christ. When you're in Christ, now you can say, I'm chosen. For as God concerned, he's done that already because he's not coming down anymore. But you don't get that until you get in Christ. That's why when I do another teaching, I'll probably do a whole series after this on one word, in Christ. Because you get nothing unless you're in Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault before his eyes. That's what he chose you to do, is to live holy. God decided in advance to adopt us into his holy family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, just like he brought Israel to himself through Moses. This is what he wanted to do. And this is what he gave, this is what gave him pleasure. Great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out upon us who belong to his son, Jesus Christ. He is so rich in kindness. His grace that he purchased our freedom, I say he purchased my freedom. See, the way I'm free is because he purchased my freedom. I'm not just free because I came from Mississippi. 
I'm free because he purchased my freedom. He did it with his own blood. He did it with the blood of his own son, and then he forgave our sins. Somebody can give him praise in this place. Our God purchased my redemption, purchased my freedom, and then forgave me of all my sins. He's not done. He has shown his kindness to us along with all his wisdom and his understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. I'm going to show you what God's plan was from the beginning. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together. Now, that's what happened when he sent Jesus Christ back, is he raised the dead and the living and put them all in Christ. People think it's going to happen. No, that's already happened. This is his plan, that at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and everything in earth. And that's what he did. He raised the dead, those who were in Christ that were dead, those that were in Christ in heaven, who was around the throne that they talk about in Revelation. He brought them all together, put them all in Christ. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. Look at somebody and say, that ain't, that's some good stuff right there. Because you are in Christ, you have received an inheritance from God. See, listen, my, I was, I was, my dad was 46 when, I, when he passed. I was 13. My dad had had nothing. But my heavenly father already put in the book that I have left you an inheritance. Now, that's some good stuff. Amen. Now, all I got to do now is make sure I live right. Come on, I got to make sure you live right so the Father won't be grieved so he can give you everything he promised. And all he asked me to do is represent him in this earth. So when people ask me, Pastor, why are you the first somebody at church? I let them know. I'm representing the Father because he is the first begotten from the dead. He's the firstborn among many creatures. He is the beginning. I mean, I'm doing, he is the first. I believe in doing things like my daddy. My daddy never late. My daddy's always on time. As a matter of fact, every time I called on him, he told me, he said, while I'm yet speaking, he's a prayer answering God. I've seen him answer prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. And all he asked me to do, hallelujah, is to live right and walk in his authority in this earth and be obedient to his authority in the earth. You think I like driving down my street 25 miles an hour? I want to get up and go grill. I want to get on giddy up. But the street sign said 35. said 25. It says stop. There are times in the morning time, I get up in the morning at 4 o'clock. Y'all know there ain't nobody out there. You stopping at lights that, that nobody going to ever cross, but it says something. But I know God sees everything. So I'm going to do it because I'm honoring my God. Somebody say amen. Let me finish this. We're done. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. Woo! 
chose me in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his will. Everything. Everything. That's why he's saying we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God's purpose was that the Jews, watch this now, his purpose was that the Jews who were the first to trust in Christ, don't miss what I'm getting ready to say, I got to read Colossians in that same breath, same, same thing before we get there. Ephesians 2.15. I'm going to do it again when I get there, but I want to switch over. Come back, back here to Ephesians 1.12. Go to Ephesians 2.15. You'll see why Pastor Crump don't do communion no more. <laughs> You'll see why Pastor Crump does not baptize in water no more. In Jesus' name or in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost. Why, why Pastor, you don't do that? If you read the word, you'll know. It grieves the Holy Spirit when God has done something and then I come in here and try to do it again. I want that in the NLT also. See, when you realize what God has already done, your job is to live for him and to be holy. Pastor, why you don't do this? Other pastors still do it. Here it is. Ephesians 2.15. He did this by ending the system of the law. Don't y'all read. I want y'all to hear what I'm saying so you'll know why I'm doing it. So you'll be in great, in, got my back. So when you go out here to other church, you be, don't let nobody put your pastor down when I'm giving you the word. But if you don't know the word, you're going to be like, well, I don't know why he do it. Huh? I just do what he said do because I go to that church. No, you don't do what I said do because you go to that church. You do it because the word says now watch why I don't do it. Ephesians 2.15. He did this by ending the system of the law. If he ended the system of the law, would you think this was the communion table? It was under the system of the law. You go back to Leviticus 25, Leviticus 23, you'll see they serve communion. Moses did that. They did the Passover by eating bread off the table when they came out of Egypt. That was the system of the law. But Jesus came and ended the system of the law with his commandments and regulations, and he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people. No more Jews and Gentiles. But he's not going to tell you that in the world. I'm going to tell you. He made a new people called the body of Christ. No more Jews and Gentiles. He put us all in the one body and said, you the body of Christ. Yeah. But see, you know why? You, you know, I ain't know why everybody ain't clapping? Because you still think there's Jews and Gentiles. And that's why you have Peter, James, and John ministry was to the Jews because they still did not accept the new covenant. Even today, they do not accept the new covenant. They only go to Malachi. They do not accept Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, nor your Jesus. But see, you don't know that. But Jesus showed me why Paul was so brave 
Because Paul would preach and Paul would tell them, no more Jews and Gentiles, you're one in Christ. See, they wanted to kill him. That's why every time he would preach, he had to get out of the basket, put him down in the basket, let him out. But he didn't mind about preaching. But he told them the truth. There's no more Jew and Gentiles. Galatians 3.27, put it on the screen. See, you're all one in Christ now. You're able one body. That's what God did on the cross. He, he got rid of the Jewish commandments, and yet they try to keep them. He got rid of the Jewish system, yet they try to keep them. He got rid of the Jewish law, yet they try to keep them. And then when somebody come and tell you who was never under the law, you want to take their side against me. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Like putting on new clothes. Let's go back and finish where I was. Ephesians 1, 14, I think it was. 12? Ephesians 1, 12. Just want to do that and I'm finished. You enjoying the word? Amen. See, you have to know what the words say. If you don't live your life by the word, you still think those people are right. See, what, you know where my heart is? People are dying and go to hell. Because people won't tell them the truth. Because when you die, because when you die, death don't care whether you're Jew or Gentile. Doesn't care. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ. That's why you know you're in verse 12. They were the Jew. They were the first to trust in Christ. Would, be, would bring praise and glory to God. But when you get to verse 13, and now you Gentiles. Do you understand why I always start on verse 13? Why? Because now I'm talking to you. And now you Gentiles have heard the truth. Well, what truth did they hear? The gospel of Christ. Christ's death, being resurrection. Why do you think the Jews went through tribulation and revelation? Because they would not accept the gospel of Christ. They would not accept anybody until Jesus returned. That's why they wouldn't accept nothing. They died. And if Jesus had not returned, they would have been annihilated. That's what he told them in Matthew chapter 20, 24, I think it is. What did he say? Except the days be shortened. If he did not come back, they would all been destroyed. Because they were that rebellious. They were not going to change until Jesus come back. And now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves us. And when you believe in Christ, he identifies you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. That's how you get the Holy Spirit. When God, when you believe in his son Christ, his death, and resurrection, whom he promised long ago. Amen. Amen. So you don't get the Holy Ghost no other way. You believe in Christ, death, and resurrection, and God gives you the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he's promised, which is the glorified body, which he has promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify God even ever since I've heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus 
and your love for God's people everywhere, Paul says. I have not stopped thinking of you. I have not stopped praying for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so you would make my grow in your knowledge of God. That's the whole purpose. I pray that your heart be flooded with light so that you would understand the confidence, hope he has given to those who call his holy people, who are called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I'm waiting on the next verse. Verse 19, that's it. Thank you very much. The verse 20? All right. I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. See, that's, that's the Holy Ghost, see. Once, once you walk in this stuff, you'll see it. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the Holy Ghost. Seated him. This is who did that. The Holy Ghost seated Christ at the, at the, at the right hand of the Father. Seated him in the place of honor. Hallelujah. I didn't finish verse 20, but I... That raised him from the dead, seated him in the, in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now he is far above any ruler. Not going to be. He's already far above any ruler or power, leader, anything else. Only in this world. Not just in this world, but also in the world to come. He's already seated. God has put all things under his authority and under the thought of Christ, and has made him head over all things. For what reason? Benefit. For the benefit of the church. You the one get the benefit. Amen. Get the Lord praise. And then he said, and the church is his body. We are made full, complete by Christ. The church is made full and complete by Christ, who feels all things everywhere with himself. Give the Lord praise. If you heal, he has filled you with himself. Come on, wife. If, if you're healed, he has filled you with himself. I know I went a couple minutes over. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.